0: This morning and appreciate Josh and Rachel being here this morning and uh, I, I'm just excited at the fact that there are people who have a desire to serve Jesus in different parts of the world than we are in doing the exact same things that we're trying to do here and whether that's in Tampa, Florida or somewhere on the other side of the globe or here in Fishersville, Virginia, uh, the gospel still works. And uh, it's still the greatest thing that we can be a part of. And so I'm thankful that they're here, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit more about their ministry in just a little bit. But uh, Mark chapter 7, we ended this uh, passage last week in Mark chapter number 6, and we stopped in verse number 52. And just uh, wanted to kind of, for sake of uh, introduction, uh, ask you are traditions important? You know we're getting ready to go into the holidays, and uh, folks have traditions. Maybe it's a favorite movie that you watch at uh, Christmas time. Uh, how many of you have already been watching the Hallmark Christmas movies? Shame, shame, shame! And uh, they all—I'm telling you—different faces, different names, same plot, same story. Uh, You know, and say, well, Pastor, how do you know? Because, hey, it's the same. Uh, This girl is in a highfalutin job. She goes to this remote area, this unobscure place. And uh, she has this boyfriend or fiancé who is a total jerk. And uh, she, she doesn't really know why she's with him. Everybody else doesn't know. Uh, no one knows why she's with him. And uh, he's all about himself and always on his phone and uh, always addicted to his work. And she goes for this job opportunity to this remote village and this woodsman of a man. Um, Laughter woos her heart and shows her the error of her ways and wins, and and it happens every single time. Fifteen minutes before the movie is over, uh, she is going to hear a conversation or a piece of a conversation or she's going to see something happen and she's going to run and or he's going to run and then she's going to come to her senses or he's going to come to his senses In the last five minutes of the movie they're going to kiss and make up and live happily ever after. They all go the same way. That's right. And so I just told you how they all end, so ladies, you don't have to watch any of them now. <laughs> They're all going to end the same way. And uh, our daughters are into them right now, and uh, oh my goodness. And uh, it, you, please pray for me. Uh, it, is, it is literally dark days. At, uh, the end times are, are upon us uh, at the Spivey household. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I'm, I'm thankful that my wife and daughters and mother-in-law and grandmother-in-law and every other woman that I know uh, enjoys them. Uh, but they all in the same way, I'm just going to say. But traditions, aren't are traditions important? Uh, you know, as we get into Mark chapter number seven, what about when traditions collide with doctrine? Uh, which one should take priority? Which one should be, Primary. You know, as Jesus steps off the boat in Mark chapter 6, verse 53 through 56, when he gets to that point, he could have allowed the numbness of the disciples and their lack of faith to hinder him from work. He could have allowed their lack of faith to have distracted him from the job at hand. He could have allowed their hardness to keep him from serving. But but what do we find him doing? When he gets off the boat at the end of Mark chapter number six, Jesus simply does what his Father had sent him to do. Regardless of what was going on on the outside, regardless of what was hindering him, even the people closest to him, it did not deter Jesus from the matter at hand. And I wonder how often do we respond the way that Jesus did or do we allow ourselves to be distracted by what's going on around us? Do we allow ourselves to be focused in on Fox News or CNN and the gloom and doom? And say, oh man, woe is me. Uh, uh, We might as well throw up our hands and quit now. Uh, Can I just remind all of us that there is still a job to accomplish. And as long as the Lord has given us to be here to accomplish it, we should be busy. We should be active in the work of the Lord. But how do we respond when someone rejects our calling? When someone opposes what we are trying to do? Are we going to keep up or are we going to give up or are we going to keep Going. And that's what we see in Mark chapter number 7. Uh, let's read a couple verses here. Mark 7, uh, verse number 1 for context. Then came together unto him the Pharisees. Now, Jesus is teaching. He's sharing truth. He's ministering to other people. And all of a sudden, he has a group of new attendees in the crowd. Uh, these religious people had always been kind of in the background listening to Jesus talk. But they're going to finally pitch in and start speaking here. And the conversation is going to kind of ramp up. Certain of the scribes, the Pharisees, which came from Jerusalem. These are not just the local folk. These are the best of the best. These are the people who are well educated in the things of the law. Verse 2. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled. That is to say, with unwashing hands they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they washed their hands oft, often... Eat not, holding the, here's the word, tradition of the elders. Verse 4, when they come to the market except they wash, they eat not. Many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Then, after they'd seen these things, then the Pharisees and scribes asked Him. They didn't ask the disciples. Him. They asked Jesus, why walk not thy disciples... According, here it is, to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands. Let's pray together this morning and then we'll dive into this passage. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for speaking to our hearts and encouraging us through the music this morning. And Lord, I ask that you please speak to our hearts now through the preaching of your word and help us to see ourselves in this passage of scripture and Lord, help us to respond accordingly to what you speak to us this morning. Uh, Lord, we're asking that you would speak to our hearts together today. Uh, Lord, individually, collectively, uh, whether the person's in the room or watching online, Lord, I ask that you please speak to us and show us great truth that we need to see from this passage of Scripture. Lord, please speak to my heart. Cleanse me of any sin unconfessed in my heart and life. And Lord, help me to be clean as I preach your word to your people. And if there's one here today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, Lord, please draw them to yourself. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down number one. uh, No regard. No regard. Verse 1 through 5, Jesus in the middle of this crowd of people. and. Uh, This group of religious leaders show up with no regard. Uh, They feel that they need to speak into something that Jesus is letting slide. Uh, We see, number one, the fault that's mentioned in the first two verses. They find fault with some of his disciples. Not all, but some of his disciples. They find fault. Uh, The Jews followed what is known as the Mishnah. The Mishnah. It was a 186-page compilation of Jewish oral laws. Not the law, but it was literally a a definition in their uh, minds of what the law meant, what it represented. Uh, It said in the Mishnah, uh, it called itself that tradition is a fence around the law. Tradition is a fence around the law. The largest part of the Mishnah was dedicated to cleanliness, cleanliness, specifically being clean before partaking in a meal, making sure that they wash their hands, and it even references that they wash their hands often. And although that was mostly a priestly requirement in the law, in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, they were challenged as priests to be clean before they participated in worship, the Jewish leaders of the day had broadened their scope of this belief and tried to make it apply to everyone. So they took what they thought and they interpreted and said, you know what, it doesn't just apply to a certain group. It should apply to everyone. This just isn't just something for a certain group. This is for more than that. But because of how they viewed that, they became very pious, self-righteous, indignant. And we see that in verse number 2. It says, they found fault. They found fault. They were offended at the disciples of Jesus and how they were not washing their hands before eating. How dare they? How dare they? You know, sanitizer? Anyone? Uh, But uh, they did not wash their hands. These religious men were very well versed in the teachings of the law. In contrast, the followers of Jesus were, were religious nobodies. They were not men of renown. But if Jesus was a religious leader, then he should see the importance of this law and translate it to the men. But they were looking at something that the disciples didn't do. And they tried to get them to do it. And in doing so, they were personally offended that these men were not doing what they thought should be done. It kind of reminds me of Galatians chapter 5. When Paul told the church of Galatia, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. There were people in the church of Galatia who were teaching that you had to do more to be acceptable in the sight of God. There were people believing that you had to do more than you were Currently, doing specifically in the how to's of the law, you had to not only keep the law, but you had to add on to these things, these additional addendums to be pleasing to God. Uh, Paul wrote in the book of Galatians that we were no longer under the law, but we're now we're under grace, and the work of the law are no longer necessary for us to keep in Galatians chapter 5 it talks about how that it pointed us ahead to Jesus the law showed us our need but our need was ultimately Christ satisfied in his finished work at the cross mark devers said every other religion in the world is a religion of do but christianity alone is the religion of done done uh, what do i have to do to be pleasing to god nothing Jesus has already done it. Jesus has already made a way to where we can be acceptable in the sight of God. But they saw the fault. Number two, we see the faithfulness that is mentioned. Not only the fault, the flaws, but we see the faithfulness. They were faithful to wash their hands. We may say, good job. Good job, guys. Uh, Even pre-COVID. Hey, uh, good job. Uh, Wash your hands. Uh, But they were washing their hands all the time. They did not do anything without strategically making a point to cleanse themselves. Not so that they could be clean, but so that they could keep the law. and Not so that they could uh, make sure that all the germs were washed off. But so that they in their own mind could be accepted in God's sight. And uh, Paul talked about one of the warning signs of the end times in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables, their own philosophy. First in first Timothy chapter one and verse four it says, Neither give heed to fables and in genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. In verse number three, it says, Except they wash their hands off, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. Verse five, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders? of the elders. Uh, These things that we have added on. Jesus, why aren't you teaching your followers to do all these additional things that we feel like they need to do? And therein is the rub. See, this is not something that is new to the church. This is something that's been going on for a long time. They had the boldness to ask Jesus, why aren't your disciples doing what we feel like They should do. We call that in the church today legalism. Legalism. C.J. Mahaney said legalism involves seeking forgiveness from God, justification before God, and acceptance by God through obedience to God. Legalism is substituting, in essence, my works for Jesus' finished work. Legalism is self-atonement, and the height of arrogance It's living as if the cross of Christ was unnecessary or insufficient. I'm doing all this stuff because if I don't do it, what Jesus already did isn't good enough, and I have to make up the difference. You see where there's a problem there? Now it becomes, what can I do rather than what has He already done? see, God does not love you any more or any less by what you do. Let me say that again, and it'll be on the screen. God does not love you any more or any less by what you do. He loves you because of who you are and who He is. Let me say it again. God doesn't love you any more or any less by what you do. Y'all getting this? Not by what you do. Well, you know, pastor, if I, if I just serve more, uh, God will be happy. Uh, if I'll just serve more, God will be pleased with my life. If I'll just do a little bit more, if I'll give a little bit more, if I'll uh, sing a little bit more, if I'll preach or teach a little bit more, God will be happier. You cannot do anything more to make him happy. And just so you're aware, God is not concerned with what makes you happy. God is concerned with you being holy. You can't do anymore. Jesus has already done all the work. He simply loves you because of who you are and who He is. See, God loves us. He loves us because He is love. He loves us. And we think about it, They were upset because they saw the disciples Doing something or not doing something that they thought that they should do. And then in reality, they were already doing what they needed to do to bring glory to Jesus. What were they doing? They were following Him. That's all that it requires. A simple faith walk with Jesus, wherever that leads. That's what they were doing. In our life today, why are we doing what we're doing right now? Hey, a Sunday school teacher, why do you teach? Uh, Singer, why do you sing? Uh, Servant, volunteer, why do you serve? Are you serving to make someone happy Are you serving because you want to do more to make sure that God is okay with what you did or what you didn't do this week? Or maybe you're trying to atone for something that you did this week. And, you know, if I serve on Sunday, God will overlook this over here that I did. Stop. Stop. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's already done. It's about what he's done. They had no regard. But then number two, they showed no respect. No respect. Once they ask the question, Jesus responds with a very brief but pointed history lesson. He talks about the critique in verse number 6. He answered and said unto them, Hey, why don't you have your disciples keep the tradition of the elders? And Jesus said, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. Whoa. Wait just a minute. Time out. Who is Jesus talking to? Jesus is the, the religious person with all of these followers who were nobodies. They were the religious leaders of the day from Jerusalem. They were the best of the best. And Jesus says, hey, Isaiah was right when he called you a bunch of hypocrites. He's using a direct quote from Isaiah 29 and verse 13. It says, for as much as these people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Jesus called them hypocrites. Hypocrites. The word comes from the Greek word hypokritos, which means an actor or a wearer of a mask. You know, someone who comes in posing as something else. You know, if I walked in this morning and I had this mask on, you know, this mask on, would you think that I was Captain America? Hey, I, I got the mask on. You know, this is me. I am Captain America because I have a mask. Therefore, I am Captain America because I look like Captain. Well, I shaved this morning, so I mean, I don't have the beard. But, you know, I look like Captain America. And therefore, if I look like him, I must be him. Right? Right? But how often is this when we come in on Sunday morning? How often do we come in with a mask of, I am a spiritual person. I am a believer. I am a very devout Christian. And we come in and we wear a mask and we are nothing more than hypocrites. I'll give you a perfect example. On the way to church, Get out of the way! I got to go to church. Get out of my—it's nine thirty-five, and I got to be at Sunday school. And you know, get out of the way! I got to get there. And we pull into church. We're screaming at our neighbor. We're screaming at our kids. We're screaming at our spouse, and we say, "All right, now." As soon as we get out of this car, remember, you don't say anything about what we said this morning. You don't repeat the conversation we had in the car this morning. You don't talk about what we listened to this morning. You don't talk about what we did this week. None of that. And you open the door and automatically there's a metamorphosis that takes place. Hey, brother, God is so good. Man, God blessed me this past week. Oh, my kids are so wonderful. I sure love my wife and she's such a blessing. Oh, man. I wish everybody was as blessed as I am. All the while, we're wearing a mask. Jesus said, Hey, Isaiah got it right when he said, You're hypocrites. Isaiah had it right when he said, You look good on the outside, but the inside is a completely different story. You know, what did he say in Matthew 23, verse 27? he said woe unto you scribes and pharisees hypocrites for ye are like unto whited sepulchers which indeed appear beautiful outward those those tombs that stone that was rolled over a grave and yeah you look great on the outside and you've been whitewashed and uh, it was a sign of stay away there's death inside but inside you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness when we come to church on sunday do people see the real you Oh, pastor, I I wouldn't want people to see the real me. Exactly. That's why we wear a mask. That's why we come in and we try and hide all of our hurts, all of our flaws, all of our hardships. And we try to pretend to be something that God never intended it for us to be. Are you pretending today? Are you pretending to score that relationship Are are you pretending to be something you're not so that people will sit next to you and they'll identify with you and they'll call you their friend? Are you pretending to convince someone that you're spiritual when you know and God knows that you're not? Are you pretending to be something that you're not? David talked about who would be close to the Lord in Psalm 24, verse 3 and 4. He said, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in His holy place in His presence? And then he quantified that and said, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. That's the person who's not wearing a mask. Well, pastor, if I don't wear a mask, if I don't cover up, then people will know that I have problems. And I would say that you're in the right place because you're around other people who have problems. Pastor, what will people think if I come to the altar and I pray or I ask somebody to pray for me and ask somebody to pray for a burden? They'll know that you're normal. That you struggle. That you're a sinner. (gasps) Just like the rest of us. Hey, Jesus wasn't trying to get them to be something they weren't. Because he wanted them to know and acknowledge what they were so that he could help them. Remember, he didn't come to help those who are well. He came to help the sick. And the church on Sunday morning is a hospital. This is not a country club where we show off our trophy pieces. We say, man, this is how good you can be. Man, look at that person. Look at that lady. Man, you want to be like them. Hey, fooly on all that. We want to be like Jesus. And that requires us to take off the mask. We see that there was a critique. and There was, number two, there was a commandment. Verse 7 through 9, he said, you honor me with your lips, but... Your heart is far from me. Verse seven. Howbeit, in vain do they worship me, teaching. Here's the rub: for doctrines, the commandments of men, the Mishnah stated, it is a greater offense to teach anything contrary to the voice of the rabbis than to contradict Scripture itself. It's. It is worse if you contradict. What the preacher says than what the Bible says. That is dangerous ground. Hey, I want to be right when I stand up and preach the Word of God. I want to faithfully expound the Word of God. But if I am wrong, I want somebody to tell me. There is no harm Or foul, and you coming up and say, Hey, Pastor, I don't know that that's what that means. And we sit down and we reason it out together. Hey, you're not getting kicked out of church for that, by the way. Hey, I want the Bible to say what the Bible says, regardless of what I say. And I want the Bible to be true and let every man be a liar. The Bible is our authority. And they had elevated man's teaching above the word of God. You know, this is not neglecting God's word. This is realizing they're replacing God's word. We're replacing God's word with our own. And this is where legalism ends. This is where it leads to. Where I place my thoughts and my version above God's. Mark chapter 12 verse 30 and 31 Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, mind, and strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And we do this in the modern day church when we try to hold people to my standards as opposed to God's standards. You know, Sam Storm said, legalism is the tendency to regard as divine law things that God has neither required nor forbidden in Scripture, and the corresponding inclination to look with suspicion on others for their failure or refusal to conform. You know, when I was growing up, churches would divide over things like dress. Yep. Yep. And God help us if we have women who walk in the door wearing pants. That was the divide. God help us if our music has a little bit of a beat to it. God help us if you use another version of the Bible other than one particular one. That was the divide. And many times people would take one or two verses out of context. And they would build an entire belief system off one or two twisted verses from the scripture. You know, brothers and sisters, these things ought not so to be. What what are things, in 2019, Crosswalk.com put out an article, and it talked about the things that churches divide over today. Now, this is four years ago, but here's the things that are dividing our churches today. Let me just read you the list, and we'll move on. Gay marriage, abortion, women in leadership, music, spiritual gifts, baptism, politics, alcohol. You know what I find interesting about that list? Every single one of those things the Bible talks about. Every single one. They're all discussed in Scripture. But where are the churches that say, it doesn't matter what our personal opinion is. It matters what the Bible says. And let me just say this, and I'll move on. We don't fill in the blanks where God puts a question mark Well, you know, I don't. The Bible's not very clear on this, so we'll fill it in. That's what the hypocrites did. That's right. That's what the Pharisees did. That's what the religious leaders did. God's not clear, so He needs our help. Wrong. Let God be true, and every man a liar. Are you promoting your personal preference over Scripture? It doesn't matter what society thinks, by the way. And we should not worry about what our friends or our neighbors or anyone else thinks about us. We should be concerned with what God thinks about us. The critique, the command, thirdly, the choice. Verse 10 through 13. The fifth commandment is mentioned here. Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother. And whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban... That is to say a gift or it's dedicated. By whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. Uh, Let me just remind us all. Children had a responsibility to take care of their families. They had a responsibility in this culture to provide for their own. There was no nursing homes. It was up to the sons and daughters to take care of mom and grandma and grandpa and aunt and uncle that got sick. But they had developed a loophole. Corbin was their word for a gift or dedicated. If I said, you know what, I love you mom or dad, but the money that I have that I've been setting aside, it's Corbin. That means that it's dedicated to another purpose. It's a gift that I'm holding for something else. And therefore, I am exempt from taking care of you and fulfilling my God-ordained obligation. And the Pharisees believed this was acceptable. Hey, it doesn't matter what Moses says, you have taken for yourself and you have created loopholes in God's word. You know, it allowed people to circumvent their responsibilities. You know, Paul wrote about that in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. He said, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. The law didn't matter anymore. So that they, because they made provision to God's word. You know, we're guilty of this too. When we hear a message and we decide that our way is better than God's way. Or we read through a passage of scripture in our personal devotions and say, Oh man, that hurts. I I don't like that. Therefore, I'm not going to do that. You know, at the end of the day, we go with what God says rather than what we say. We go with what God says rather than what the world says. We go with what God's Word says, and how we want to live our lives, we go with what God says over our own. If I were to take my Bible this morning, and I were to say, you know what, that page, that verse, you know, I I don't really like that verse, so I'm going to take that verse out, and I'm just going to take this, and I'm just going to, you know, rip it out. And, you know, that, that verse doesn't really matter. You know, so, so I, I don't really want to do that. So I'm just going to eliminate that one from the Bible. That, that verse no longer exists. It's dead to me. So now, now I don't have to do what that says because I took it out. But that's really how we live, isn't it? Be, therefore, doers of the word and not hearers only. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? But when I don't obey, that's what I'm doing. When I say, you know what? God's Word doesn't matter anymore. I'm going to do my own thing. That's where we have gotten to. So we see that there's no regard. There's no respect. And then lastly this morning, there's no restrictions. No restrictions. Shock would be the proper response right here. I mean, you can imagine these people are dumbfounded that Jesus has rebuked them. But yet Jesus continues with a very little commentary to the, to the Pharisees. And We see two things. Number one, what was heard in verses 14 through 17. And when he had called all the people unto him. Hey, hey listen, listen, listen. Listen, listen, listen. Let me share something with you. Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. Verse 15, there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. Jesus is teaching a radical concept. Because they believed everything on the outside can hurt me. Everything that's going on on the outside can affect my relationship with God. And Jesus is saying, it's not what's on the outside that affects your relationship. It's what's on the inside. And today in our churches, we've got everything backwards. Because we focus so much on what people see. Hey, we focus on wearing the mask. Hey, i got to make sure that nobody knows the true me. The only person at the end of the day that matters is God, and He knows your heart. He's looking beyond what people see, and He's looking at what He knows about our heart. The heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. It comes back to what is in your heart. Remember, Peter, you would think that they would be relieved Wow, whew, man, I don't have to worry about all of these things, these teachings of the law. I can just focus on my relationship with God by simply loving Him and, and following Him, whatever that looks like. Hey, and today, in 2023, you following the Lord might look different than me following the Lord. And that's why we seek the Lord individually. Hey, there is not a blanket You follow Jesus this way. Do this, 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 and you'll follow Jesus. No, no, no. We believe in spending time in God's Word and seeking His face in prayer and say, Lord, whatever you say, I'm going to do. Hey, God might not ever call you guys to preach. And if He doesn't, that's fine. God may want you to be a godly plumber or a lawyer or a business person or a painter Or just a simple servant, working from home, remote, whatever that looks like. God may just want you to be a faithful Christian at a secular workplace. But if that's what God calls you to do, will you follow Him? Will you do what He's asking you to do? How could something from within be more important than what comes from without? And that's what the lesson was. It's not what we do on the outside that brings us close to God. You ever thought about a pig? You ever thought about a pig? I mean, when you think about pig, pigs are not known for pictures in bathtubs. If you do a Google search, pig in a bathtub, there are few pictures, very few pictures that you'll find. I mean, you can find the Photoshopped ones. I mean, the ones where, you know, it's a cute little pig, and they're so excited they're in the bathtub, and... But let's be honest. Most of the pigs that we see look like this pig. It's on the screen. (laughs) Why? Because they're a pig. It's in their nature. You can clean a pig, and you can wash a pig, and you can dress up a pig, but you let it rain, and you let that pig out of your sight, and where's it going to be? Clean clothes and all. It's going to be right there, laying in a mud hole. Why? Why? Because there is something about dirt. Their nature is drawn to the dirt. And that's what Jesus is trying to change with these people. Hey, it's not about the dirt. It's not about cleaning the outside. I don't care about the outside. Jesus says, I care about the inside. It's the heart. But let me say this before the last point. And we'll be done. What happens on the inside will work its way to the outside. For better or for worse. Pastor, I'm just, I don't know why I just cannot stop cussing. Could it be that you have a dirty heart? Could it be that you have a dirty mind? Because what goes in to the heart, what's on the inside will work its way outside. And in our life today, hey, we're not careful. We can fall into that trap, but as long as I clean up the outside and I can put on a good front, then God will be convinced. Everybody else will be convinced, and I'll look like a good person. And you'll be just like the Pharisees, because that's all they focused on was the outside. Paul Tripp said, human legalism leads to human self-righteousness. Human self-righteousness denies the need for a saving, enabling grace of Christ. Human righteousness embraces the cruelest of Satan's lies that a person can be righteous by keeping the law. And if that were true, there would have been no need for the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ. If you could be good enough on your own, you don't need Jesus. But here's the truth. You can't be good enough on your own. And we all need Jesus. But the big question today is, do you have Jesus? Has there been a time in your life where you've accepted what he did on the cross for you and placed your faith in him? It's not just what was heard, but lastly, what's in the heart. Verse 18 through 23. The disciples, clueless, like always. Sound familiar? At times. Hey, hey Jesus, what what are you really saying? And Jesus has to clarify with those who spend the most time with him, and it all came down to truth versus tradition. The things that they ate went to their belly; it didn't affect their heart. He was trying to get them out of that mindset. The things that come from within are the things that reveal who we really are. We've already mentioned that. Luke 6, 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth fruit which is evil. Out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Jesus gives a list of 13 things here that are wicked and they all begin in the heart. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, The heart is deceitful of all all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So if it all comes back to the heart this morning, what's on your heart? What's in your heart? The Pharisees' problem was not that they allowed the law to affect their actions. It didn't point to the true problem. They were so focused on what they would do that they overlooked what God was trying to do. They were so focused on the doing that they overlooked what Jesus was saying. Hey, church, how's your heart today? It doesn't matter how much you serve. What's in your heart? I would rather have somebody that says, hey, pastor, I'm a baby Christian, but man, I want to follow Jesus. Show me what that looks like. Hey, get in his word, fall in love with him, and let him lead your life. Because what your heart, the condition of your heart will flow out into your life. And if there's a bunch of bad stuff on the outside of your life, it may be that your heart's bad. But if you've got good fruit coming out of your life, it could be that your heart is heading in the right direction. When we look at our life, our problem is not external, it's internal. You know, We all have a dirty heart that Jesus wants to clean. And maybe this morning your problem is that Jesus hasn't cleansed your heart. Has there been a time in your life where you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior? Where you've accepted what He did on the cross to forgive you of your sin? If that has taken place, that's awesome! How are you letting what he's done on the inside flow on the outside? And maybe if you're here and watching online and you haven't made that decision, today's your day. Today's the day where you realize that it's not about what people see on the outside. It's not about wearing the mask. It's about what he's done on the inside in our heart. How's your heart today? Do you have a pure heart? I love what it says in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 10. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Not in the good things I do leads to righteousness. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. When Jesus changes your heart, it comes out of your mouth. It comes out into your life. But it has to start in the heart. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Let me just ask you a couple questions as we prepare for our time of reflection. and We're going to sing that song, I Worship You. We sang it just a moment ago. Maybe you're here this morning and your heart is not right with God. Maybe you're here this morning or watching online and there's a problem. You have a heart problem. Maybe through the course of this passage of Scripture you are looking at your life focused on the outside and you're really not giving much attention to what's on the inside. Could I challenge you this morning as we prepare for this time of reflection that the thing that you and I need the most is what's going on in our heart. It's not about all the things that you can do or things you've done or where you serve or what your title or position is. None of that matters in this context. It all comes back to the heart. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. And maybe you're here this morning and say, Hey, Pastor, I don't know that Jesus has changed my heart. I don't have that confidence. I don't have that assurance. Maybe that's you. Could I pray for you this morning, be your friend, and pray for you? The Bible says that salvation, that moment of getting a new heart, is simply talking to the Lord. Recognizing that you have a need that you can't answer on your own. We are all sinners. We're all born that way, into sin. And the only way that changes is to recognize it and realize that Jesus died on the cross for that sin. He died in your and my place to pay for our sin debt. And to get Him to cleanse us and to cleanse our heart is simply a step of faith by asking Him to forgive us. That's all that salvation is. It's taking him at his word and believing the promise that he's made to us that he will cleanse us if we'll simply ask. It's a simple step of faith. It's trusting him to do what he said he would do. And maybe that's your need this morning. If that is your need today, hey, I want to be your friend and I want to pray for you. I don't want to send somebody talk to you or point you out or call you out or embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you. Can I be your friend this morning with no one looking around? But would you simply slip up your hand and say, hey, pastor, you're talking to me. You're talking about me. I I don't have that assurance in my heart that I have a clean heart. I just don't know. In that context, I don't know that Jesus has changed my life. I don't know that I'm saved. There's all kinds of vernacular. But at the end of the day, I don't know that I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I just don't know that. Can I pray for you? I don't want to embarrass you. Thank you so much. Maybe somebody else say, hey, pastor, I haven't raised my hand yet, but I'll raise it right now. Pray for me. I'm not sure that I have that clean heart, that relationship with Christ. I don't know. Is that you today? I don't want to embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you. Pastor, please pray for me. Is that you? Is that you? Maybe you're here this morning. Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate that. You can put your hand back down. Somebody else say, pastor, I don't have that relationship with Jesus. I just don't. I'm not convinced. I'm not sure. I don't have that confidence. Is that you? I'm looking. I don't want to miss you, but I do want to pray for you. Maybe you're here this morning. Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hand down. Somebody else? Say, Pastor, hey, thank you for your honesty. You can put your hand down. Somebody else? Say, Pastor, hey, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't have that assurance. You know, in my life, I, I knew when I was 17 years old that I had a need. Growing up in church all my life, heard the gospel, heard hundreds of messages. But I didn't have that confidence that Jesus had changed my heart. And maybe that's what you need today. Hey, you don't have to come forward to get that taken care of. You can do it right there in your seat. You can simply talk to the Lord. Say, Pastor, I don't even know what to say. Hey, it's not about the words that you say. It's about the faith in your heart. Hey, hey, Lord, I, I know that I have a need. I, I know that I'm a sinner. I, I know that I don't have that confidence that I have a clean heart. But would you forgive me? would you cleanse me here and now and ask him the best way you know how in faith it's not a magic prayer it's not specific words it's simply a heart cry it starts in the heart and it works its way out and maybe that's what you need today for the rest of us maybe that is simply saying hey i'm not where i need to be in this journey with jesus and if that's your need hey, why don't you talk to him about it today? There's personal workers in the back. There's personal workers down front that would love to pray with you if you feel like you need that. And we'd be honored to do that. Help encourage you and pray with you and try and point you in the right direction. But you can pray there in your seat. But would you simply respond to what he's speaking your heart about? Maybe that's taking a step. Maybe that's getting baptized or maybe lining that up or taking a step in discipleship with Jesus and having a discipleship partner, a mentor. Maybe that is joining a local church. Whatever that looks like, would you simply take a step today towards Jesus? If you know where you are right now and you know what your need is, would you talk to Him about it? Father, please bless our time. Help us to follow you the best way we know how. Lord, please receive our worship. We do worship you. You are the almighty God and there is none like you. Lord, help people who have raised their hand this morning, several that said they don't have that confidence, that assurance that hasn't been settled in their life. Lord, help them to speak to you right now and get that assurance this morning. Maybe they need to come and talk to somebody or slip out and speak to someone in the back. But Lord, help those folks right now, whatever the need is. Lord, if you're dealing with someone's heart, help them to speak to you right now and get it settled, whatever that looks like. And Lord, if we can be a help, we'd be honored to do that. But please do a work within us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us, please? We're going to sing that chorus. I worship you. I'm going to be right down front. Our personal workers are around. If you need to talk to somebody, we would love to talk to you, pray with you, encourage you, whatever you need. But let's sing that chorus. If you need to pray, you can do it right there in your seat or come forward and do that. Whatever God wants you to do this morning. Would you simply do what God wants you to do?
1: Please singing to the Lord, amen. Almighty God. Let's engage our hearts with His. There
0: Seated. These folks are still praying, reflecting on the message. Let's join them in prayer. Musicians are still playing. Let's just take a moment of silence with the Lord, what He wants us to do. This morning, or watching online, and you still have a need, we would love to pray with you, encourage you, whatever you may need today. Uh, our personal workers are going to be down front after the service, some in the back. They'll be wearing a badge that says, How can I pray for you? And we mean that sincerely. We want to try and encourage you and help you in your journey with Christ, whatever you need. And we'll be out in the back. Our staff and team will be out there as well. If we can help you, please talk to us before you leave. Uh, we would be happy to do that.